Welcome to the Retail Media Moguls podcast brought to you by Platform 195. We share trends and strategies across retail media to help you accelerate your brand growth. I'm your host, Stuart Adamson. All right, welcome to the Retail Media Moguls podcast. I'm your host, Stuart Adamson. Today, we're privileged to host Kayla Winstead, winner of the 2022 Next Gen Award and Vice President of Retail Media at Hy-Vee. Kayla is extremely passionate about reimagining the future of food retail in America, and her stated goal is to create a healthy and enjoyable work culture for her teams and to inspire and serve shoppers and communities. As the world of retail media changes and the focus switches to omnichannel marketing and a cohesive cross-functional strategy from out of home to the adverts you see online, the need for new leaders native to this landscape with the vision to see a better future is stronger than ever. And that is why we're delighted to talk to Kayla today. So Kayla, welcome to the show. Thank you, Stuart. How are you doing? Are you all right? I'm great. Yeah, very excited to be here. So it's an experience to move from being a listener to being able to add my own opinions into the mix here. So good. Well, look, why don't you tell us a bit about, firstly, because we've got a lot of listeners that are outside of America. Tell us a bit about Hy-V and what the retail media offering is there. Yeah, I would love to. So Hy-Vee is a super regional grocer that really owns the Midwest. So thinking of America, we're based out of Iowa. We span out to South Dakota. We have Minnesota, Wisconsin, a little bit of Illinois, Kansas, Nebraska, and really looking to expand that footprint as well. So it's really stronghold here in the Midwest. Our focus is really making lives easier, healthier, and happier. So Heidi has a long tenure, over 95 years as a, a grocery retailer. And it's such a neat place to work, a very nimble and agile company to be part of. But what I love about Heidi is the expansive portfolio that we have. So we really have subsidiaries. We have a very strong health arm as well. We have a really great fleet of convenience stores, which we really refer to as meal solutions. And we really just have such diversity. We actually have a bank as well, which is a rarity for a retailer to be able to have. So when it comes to my role now in retail media, all of that really kind of plays together in the richness of data. But Hyvee is all about customer service. So if you are stateside, you've probably heard the jingle where there's a helpful smile in every aisle. And so that really just holds true through everything we do here as a company. Great. And obviously you're leading the retail media piece. How nascent is it new? Is it been going for a while? Where is it in its journey? Yeah. So we have been playing in pieces of retail media for a few years. Our e-commerce platform is homegrown. And so because we own that solution, we've been able to allow brands to advertise and speak to our customers on site for a few years now. So before it was retail media, we were kind of playing in that space. I would say officially as a retail media network, we started in earnest last fall. We were able to announce like our entrance into the playing space this fall at Grocery Shop. So it's been a very busy year, full of partnerships, a lot of tech enhancements, data enhancements. And so it really has been just an absolute wild year. We added, like I said, we had on-site is what we started with. And so we've added off-site capabilities and then a really large focus for in-store as well. And what sort of things uh, are you offering? Let's go on-site. Have you got sponsored listings and display and that sort of stuff? Yeah. And, you know, we're really lucky. We started a partnership a couple of years ago with a company called Products, and they have a very unique sponsored experiences platform that's driven by personalization. It's also a click per conversion model. So that is really enticing to our brand partners that you're only paying when 
the consumer purchases. So we do have sponsored experiences, um, targeted banners through some partners as well. So yeah, we really run the gamut. We have recipes, which I think is really engaging. Uh, looking with some partners, how do we get that to be more interactive? How do we remove friction in the path to purchase to the cart? I'm a mom of two little boys. And so for me, I'm all about help influence me on the never ending question of what are we having for dinner tonight, right? Make that easier for me. Give me some variety. So we continue to look at those different options for on-site. Right. And are you seeing that sort of inspirational content actually convert or is it a longer journey to purchase and other brands really interested in buying that stuff or is it still all about how many products can I sell? Yeah, well, units and sales is key, right? So that is the foundation of everything we do. But I think that the influence and the experience is becoming more important for our consumers. So for us, we definitely see those recipes converting. We've done a lot of enhancements to be able to, like I said, do the click to cart, make it easier to remove friction in that path to purchase. So we're definitely seeing that there. I think where I keep my eye on, I love influencers, right? And I'm easily influenced myself. So for us, it's really how do we engage in that space? And it's kind of unique as a grocery retailer. How do you engage with influencers and you have a lot of fresh product that you're trying to push? And how do you get those multi-brand partnerships together? So that's a space that we continue to play in and look to expand in. And then think one thing that you see across retail media that's really taking off right now is user-generated content, right? So how do we enable user-generated content on our site? Because I think that will be very influential for our consumers as well. What is that user-generated content on your site? Yeah, so user-generated content is really just anything that's created by a high-be consumer, a free will, right? So maybe they've identifying a shopping trip in your store or they're taking a picture of some products that they purchased at your store and it comes genuinely from the user and then they allow you to reuse that and kind of use it as a marketing tool on your sites or sometimes not, right? I think that's what we're seeing is this evolution of retailers utilizing user-generated content instead of letting it just exist out in the ecosystem and really tying it back to themselves. So I think there's a ton of benefits there. Not only does it build loyalty with those consumers that are creating the user-generated content, they like that recognition. They like to hear, hey, we heard you, we appreciate you. But it really speaks to honest and really thoughtful reviews for the rest of our consumer base. They really want to hear from the users, what did you think of this product? What did you think of this recipe? And then again, when I think about the demographics that we have, and I think of my little guys, they're all about the, the fun user-generated content, right? So when there's new innovation, the taste tests or the trick shots, things like that. So we continue to just look at how do we utilize that as a grocery retailer? And are you capturing that UGC on your site then, or is that being captured in social and then being used on your site? Yeah, it's being captured on social and used on the site. So again, that's just where I think there's some evolution and, and some eyes on that space of how do we kind of change that process? Yeah, we built an app actually for one of our clients, which is really exciting actually, because we went to all of their supplier partners and I mean, what they were looking was creating a TikTok style app and, but you could actually buy through it having seen the content. So, and basically we went to all their suppliers and partners and, and asked them for all their content and then cut that sort of 15 second clips, which could then be, and then made those bookable, viable. And then similarly, then encouraged customers to come and do the same thing of them utilizing products really successful really really cool and a, and a very quick way of creating a, a tiktok 
environment, but actually where you can actually go and buy the product. So the challenge with TikTok is you often have to then go out of TikTok and go into Google and say, what was that product? Where was it? And how do I find it? And actually creating something where users and suppliers, your partners can place content that promotes them is, is quite a smart way of generating significant amounts of money. Yeah, absolutely. And I think shoppable video will continue to see evolution in that space. And the younger generations, I think, are really attracted to that. And it, it is about that impulse by that instant gratification. So that's fantastic. So tell me about the sponsored listings, though. That's a really interesting model where actually you're not paying on a click. You're not paying on a CPM. They're paying on a conversion. Is that amount they're paying based on the basket size or by the product sale? How's that working? Yeah, they pay a percentage of the retail. So it is an open bid. The keywords are generated. We don't ask the brand to come and provide us with the keywords, which I think sometimes you get a mixed bag on that, right? Some brands are very happy to really push that duty. And some brands are a little bit nervous about it because we really are dependent on the data and that machine learning to power those keywords. So it's paid based on a percent of the retail. And we're actually seeing it sounds insane, and I'm going to sound like I don't know what I'm talking about, but we're actually seeing an average of 900% return on ad spend. And then we really study incrementality in space as well. So how many new households are we bringing to your category, to your product? How many are you defending? How many of those loyal consumers are you keeping time after time? How many are you recapturing? So maybe for some reason, the last time they made a purchase, they bought from your competitor, but now we've enticed them to come back to you. So just all of the data and the learnings behind it have been really fantastic. It's been a great partnership for us. Great. And let's talk a bit about that data piece, because it's always a challenge for any retailer is really, sometimes there's just too much data and how do you actually harness this and actually get the, the actionable insights out of it? And then there's the other pieces and there's a completely data-free environment. Where are you? Yeah, we definitely care deeply about the data. So I say that we live and die by data. I think that is definitely where the industry is going. And in my opinion, that's the differentiator for retail media is the data. So if you're not tapped into that and your strategy is not connected into that consumer data, I don't know if you're going to let, I mean, I'm just speaking very candidly here, but that has really been our big focus over the last year as we've really become an official retail media network is that data. How is it organized? How are we accessing it? Um, looking forward into the future, how do our brand partners want to access the data? I think it's really all focused too on the customer experience. So people hear data and they think big brother and they get very concerned and they don't want anyone to have their data. And I think I'm of the mindset, especially knowing more about how it's utilized that I really want people to know more about me because it makes my experience more relevant, right? It makes it easier for me to interact with you. It makes it more rewarding for me because you're surfacing things that are extremely relevant to me. So I think the data is just key, honestly. And, you know, we went from a period where surface level data was enough. And as long as we could get a hold of you, that was really all we wanted. But now it's really, it's tell us more about yourself. Do you have kids? Do you have babies? Are you a single income household? Help us understand what appeals to you and who you are as a Heidi shopper so that we can create the best experience possible for you. And all those shoppers have accounts with you, presumably. Is, is it all logged in data? Yeah. So a little bit of both data that we're tracking, right? We look at all of it, but our preferred is the loyalty customers. Yeah. So 
and we've you know going through a revamp of our loyalty program as well, just knowing how important it is that we have accurate data there. But that would be the basis of our customer data. So talk us through how you're powering the partnerships with that data. Where if I was a brand coming to you, is how might you use your data to help me? Yeah, absolutely. So a couple of different ways. We're partnered with Circana to provide store level data. So when you think about that really kind of basket level data, trying to do that integral study loyalty data point of sale, that can be provided in real time through a partnership we have with Circana. So that is one way that our brands are engaging with the high consumer and learning more about. On the retail media side, really use, utilizing it to power our sets. So like I said, with the sponsored search, that's extremely personalized. It's continuously learning based on that shopper's habits. We love to get in the space of let us create a custom audience for you, right? It's all about helping create solutions for our brand partners, which then help provide solutions for our consumers as well, right? If you always shop for gluten-free products, it is not of anyone's use to market gluten products to you, right? So let's segment you. Let's make sure that you're getting the products and offers that are relevant to you. So I think the segmentation and the ability to offer personalization is something that we love to do with our data and are continuing to strive. I think that's easier in some pockets. Email is very easy to do the personalized segments. But when you think about the mobile app experience, an entire digital experience and customer journey, the personalization of that, we're kind of taking baby steps. So we'll see a lot more of that throughout the year. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about in-store piece then. So tell us a bit about what you're offering there and tell us a bit about the innovations in there. Yeah. In-store is such a fun space. So I am an in-store shopper, but I like to just remind everybody you have to to be on the fence here, right? You have to keep a foot in digital and you have to keep a foot in store, my opinion. Because 80% of all purchases today are digitally influenced. So I may be an in-store shopper, but I'm going to, again, like we talked, I'm looking at the recipes. I may be adding to my shopping list. I may be adding to the cart, right? So there are a bunch of things that I'm doing online. I'm engaging with influencers through our social sites or off-site. When I'm checking the news, then I'll get a high ad about new products that are available in my store. So I am a very digitally engaged consumer even though I wouldn't fall under an e-commerce consumer, right? So I think there's this balance of both. But to talk about in-store, I think, again, I've kind of said it throughout this, but it's really about the customer experience. So Hy-Vee is extremely focused on customer service and the customer. So in-store, we've had in-store audio. And knock on wood that I this is does come true because I continue to say it, but I think in-store audio is going to see kind of this resurgence like the QR code saw. So I am really excited to see what brands do with in-store audio and how we track that attribution as the data becomes more widely available. So in-store audio, demos and sampling is a really powerful tool that I think some retailers don't consider that part of their retail media network. We do as we just continue to try and marry the merchandising, the marketing, and the media together. So that is part of that experience. And then digital screens, of course, is huge for us. So we've made a huge investment on digital screens. A lot of our screens we have around the perimeters of our stores. So where is the consumer at a point of rest where I can speak to them and educate them on products in my store without disrupting their natural shopping journey, right? Like 
yes, I want to grab their attention, but I don't want them to feel like they're in Las Vegas, right? We want them to feel like they're at IV and it's a very natural shopping experience. So, and then point of sale as well. That's something that Hy-Vee has held close to our chest historically. It's only been utilized for Hy-Vee brand marketing. And we are going to open to some of our brand partners to allow them to maybe put a 40 cal down or some aisle blades. So a lot of opportunities in store to speak to that consumer closer to the point of purchase. And how are you delivering into those digital screens at the moment? Is it all done centrally or are you having to do it locally? What's the delivery mechanism? Yeah, I'm a little rusty on the back-end tech here, but we are partnered with Samsung. So that is allowing us some centralization, to my knowledge. And it also allows for program buys, which has been huge for us, right? So again, centrally located here, but we really own the Midwest. So if brand is looking to do a national campaign and they're not bought in with Chinese, they're really missing a huge chunk of this demographic. So partnering with Samsung and making those screens available programmatically has been really exciting for us. We just kicked that off officially this fall and so excited to really ramp up in space. Yeah, really exciting. Have uh, you got any uh, tracking on those screens? Have you got anything that allows you to see who's watching and for how long? We don't today. So this is interesting and definitely coming from a tech background, something that I kind of keep my eye on. There's all sorts of different hardware and I think it comes down to it, the importance, right? And the prioritization of it. Attribution is certainly important to our brand partners. They want to know which assets did I invest in that actually moved the needle. And so there is this importance of how do I show attribution with the TV screens? And I get that. But I also would say, speaking on behalf of Hy-Vee in, in my teams, right? I don't think retailers should feel peer pressure to necessarily jump into that capital investment right away because billboards don't have tracking on them. There's all sorts of out-of-home advertising that works and is tried and true that doesn't have that attribution attached to it that we're still investing in because, you know, it is moving the needle. We may not be able to put our finger on it, but it's definitely working. And then I think, too, there is so much innovation in this space. And so seeing different tech providers that have solutions that integrate into existing systems, we have security throughout our stores just to make sure that consumers are safe and to help with shrink. And so how do you tap into some of your existing investments to be able to tie that attribution back? There's a benefit to doing it. We did it. We've done it for clients and we did it for ourselves. When we were at Thomas Cook, we put screens on the camera, oh, sorry, cameras on the screens. And, and part of the reason for that was what we wanted to do was demonstrate the value that our brand was bringing in terms of reach that went beyond the set, how many product sales that that brand has achieved because they would go and spend huge amounts of money on out of home when actually hundreds of thousands of people, millions of people walking through stores that have purchase intent, but may not buy something, but have certainly been exposed to the brand in an environment where they could buy it. Does that make sense? And actually what we found was that we could easily say to somebody, well, look, look you only got 3% uplift in product sales, but at the same time, you got a million people watch your content. They watched it for an average of eight seconds. And of those people, because it used to scan faces and tell us demographics and met with their male or female and, and how old they were, it would actually be able to go back with real demographics to the partner and actually give them a value and say, well, actually, look, we didn't necessarily get you the product sales you wanted, but actually we've given you huge re and reach and engagement as well. And also you could see which bits of content would resonate. The other thing we also were doing, we're looking at 
what we found was that we certainly in travel stores, we find that couples were coming into the store in the morning, whereas families were coming in in the afternoon because we had the cameras on, we could see. And actually, as a result of that, we started showing certain sort of holidays in the morning and sort of cruise holidays in the morning and family holidays in the afternoon around school finishing time. And actually, all of that is huge amounts of data that you can use to enrich partners. And it's actually relatively cheap to put the cameras on. So it's always worth looking at because it just gives you a value metric you can give back that isn't just a passenger number. Yeah, no, Stuart, I think that is a great counter. And you're absolutely right. The metrics that it opens up is extremely powerful, right? And it helps you tell your story with your brand partners. And to your point, it really helps your brand understand how do I speak to this consumer most effectively? So I am with you on that. We could go down a rabbit hole, but one thing that interests me here. <laughs> Actually, one other little snippet on that is what we found also is that people were average watching. We had 12 second videos on there to start. And we found that people were watching for an average of 10 seconds, I think it was. So actually what we did was start in narrow. We, no, I think it was eight seconds. So people were watching for eight seconds, but our videos were 12. So what that meant was that they weren't seeing the end of the vid, which is ultimately the call to action. So actually what we did was cut all the videos to six seconds. It meant we could actually sell more in a minute. So we ended up putting the revenue up, but actually it was more effective for the advertiser because they were actually seeing, because people were actually watching the whole thing through and then starting the next, getting this sort of data stuff that's uh, quite exciting. Yeah, you can definitely geek out over it and not to go too far. But I think the one thing that interests me too about that, the tracking is with the privacy, right? And all the changes we're seeing about around privacy, if you are making that investment, what is the risk in the near term and far term of being able to utilize that technology? Yeah, and actually there is a privacy issue around it because actually what it does is it takes a hundred sort of shots a minute, sends it back to a server. So that means you've got a server somewhere with somebody's photo on it. So in Europe, we couldn't do it because of the privacy laws. In the UK, we could, but I'm not sure what the latest is on GDP, but it has its own privacy challenges. I love hearing about the audio piece though. That's really interesting. So you're doing radio in store. What are you doing for audio? Yeah. So we're partnered with a company called Vibonomics to provide in-store audio and You know what's funny? Again, coming into this space, and I've worked in a variety of industries, so I wasn't born and raised up through retail, but definitely can resonate as a consumer, you know, what my shopping experiences Hy-Vee have been like. And I remember as a little girl going shopping with my mom, with my dad, and there was always this excitement in the store, right? And someone's over the loudspeaker talking to you about something. And don't forget to go to aisle seven. We've got XYZ on sale or don't forget to stop by the bakery. We're sampling our cookies or our apple fritters. And so you kind of forget about that because then all of a sudden it was like, it just got so quiet. And I don't think I realized it, right? It's this evolution. And then I started working in this space and all of a sudden it's like, hey, we do have this lever to pull of in-store audio where we can speak to the consumer. Again, it's not really jarring to their natural shopping experience. But it really helps reach them across the store, closer to the point of purchase. Let them know what's going on. I mean, Heidi has a variety of stores. We have very expansive stores. Our flagship stores are just, I, I would say, enormous and beautiful. And then we have our more rural locations. But it really helps to influence the consumer and just, again, make them aware of what you have to offer while they're in store. And is that live radio? I mean, are they actually recording them those shows for you and putting them into high B, or is it? Sort of a recorded sort of CD, a recorded track that they then pump in. It's pre-recorded, but a fantastic question. It's pre-recorded at this time. It obviously has the ability for our stores to go in and again, pre-recorded, but on the fly, they can insert different messages for our consumers very quickly. So close to real time. 
Is it just in-store music or is it an in-store radio show? It's in-store radio and music. So the same system powers both. Really, really good. So really excited to see how that evolves for you because it's it was somewhere we've always we've looked at and we just found it quite expensive because we were trying to move away from just sort of just the repeated track over the top because it annoys the staff. And then, but actually we started talking to, funnily enough, there's a famous old DJ here called Bruno Brooks who runs a, or was running at that time, a effectively a bespoke radio offering that would put it in store. And we just couldn't quite get it, the business case to staff up on it. But really interesting. I think you're right. There's a great opportunity in in-store radio. It's just getting the economics right. But really, really cool. Tell us about the offsite stuff that you're doing then. So you talk about onsite. How are you doing audience extension or audience campaigns away from your site with partners? Yeah. So we partnered with this spring with Epsilon, which has been a really a fantastic partnership for us. And that really helps to build out Hybe's existing audiences. So we have a really strong first party customer base and foundation that we're starting off. But Epsilon has made it really fluid to interact with them to make sure that we're completing those customer profiles. And then I think for me, again, it's just this uniqueness of, oh, I am able to speak to my husband and have an advertisement go to him when he's on ESPN.com, right? Think about all of your consumers that maybe aren't interacting with your mobile app or your website, but they are a shopper, right? And they may be a loyalty member. They're getting fewer and far between as we see digital engagement ramp up, but certainly still exist. And so how do we speak to them? I think Epsilon has been a fantastic partner. They've got some great parameters and guardrails in place to make sure that it's showing up in relevant spaces to relevant consumers. They have a great cycling that goes on to make sure that the ad spend is very effective, right? So when a consumer converts, let's not continue to retarget them just because they're within the segment, right? Let's learn from that give it a break, depending on how long that campaign's running for, we may retarget them depending on the product life cycle. Yeah, so we're continuing to look into that space as far as like OLV goes. But yeah, it's been a great partnership and a, a good first step in offsite. Great. And it's so it's largely sort of social and programmatic at the moment. Is that right? So tell us about you. So you just won the 2022 Next Gen Award. Tell us about that and how you've managed to win that. Congratulations, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah, gosh, retail, that seems like it's been a lifetime ago. <laughs> Not that it's 2024, but yeah, that was a shocking honor. I think that was for anyone up and coming as a young leader. And I certainly was grateful. I'm sure Heidi played a part in helping me get recognized in that space. So kind of like I shared with you, Stuart, my background is really working with technology teams and strategy and planning. And that's what I came to Heidi to do. I have a soft place in my heart for tech and tech teams. And I always say you feel a little special when you live in that world because it's like a secret language that not everybody knows. And that's becoming less and less true now that tech rules everything. That's really how I got my feet with retail media. I was involved from a strategy and planning perspective of what do we want the architecture of this network to look like? Again, a big focus on the data, right? We have all of this rich consumer data. So how do we make it easily accessible? How do we make sure that we're setting up for the future? Who are the partners that we need to partner with to make sure that we have a full set of sets, but we also have speed to market? And so I get pretty passionate about everything that I work on. And so that really was my opportunity. Then leadership came and said, hey, we've got this spot for you. We think you should come over. And I said, I think I'm stay here in tech. But they gave me a gentle shove. And I'm so grateful because this is such 
a fun segment of our industry. And I think we're just getting started. So to be like one of the pioneers in this space, not really, right? I'm still a rookie, but it feels special. Just like technology felt special to me. And then I would just say to Hy-Vee, I have the opportunity and the privilege of working for Hy-Vee, which is a very nimble company. So I come from working in finance and healthcare industries where there's a lot of red tape. There's just a lot of legalities and things like that. And so Hy-Vee and retail in general is very my pace, but I love working for Hy-Vee. They're a company of purpose. We care deeply about our employees. We care deeply about the communities that we serve. And so that's really important to me to connect to that. And I'm also a, a veteran, which I think shocks people sometimes. So thank you to all of our servicemen and women. But one thing that Hy-Vee does is we sponsor honor flights for our veterans. And I just think the way that we interact with and give back to our customers is so important. Yeah, that's fantastic. Let's talk about people for the last couple of minutes that we've got. You're obviously got to, have they given you the freedom to build a decent sized team in there or are you having to juggle and wear many hats? Yeah, we definitely wearing many hats. So they've given us the freedom to run our own business is really kind of how I would describe it. So it's really on as a leadership team to understand how quickly do we want to scale, looking at the opportunity in front of us and what are the tools that we need in place to be able to reach that. So it is a balance with every business of expense versus investment. And so we continue to really look at that. But as far as freedom, yes, I would say I definitely have the go ahead of you look at what's best and what's going to drive us forward and the power is in your hands. So we have a great partnership. We wanted to get to market very quickly. So we partnered with Merkel, who's been a great partner in this space as well. They bring a ton of industry experience, which has really been for me. I think it's just someone to come alongside you and say, yes, you're on the right track. And so. That's been fantastic just to get us up and running. Great. And the team that you do have, I mean, is it split across ad operations and sales and or do you rely very much on the agency? How does it? No, it is. We have the ad operations side, which, uh, you know, is a lot of layers in itself. So a lot of layers in itself on the ad operations side. And then I work very closely with sales and account management and we continue to also look at what is our non-endemic strategy, right? We have great existing partnerships with our CPGs, but how do we reach those non-endemic brand partners that want to speak to the high consumer? And so I think when we talk about sales and account management, that is kind of the next frontier for us. Yeah. And on the sales side, let's talk about endemic as opposed to non-endemic. Have you got your own sales team in there or are you using the product and purchasing managers to drive those deals? I love this question. Yes, we have our own sales team. However, I think it is so important and we hear from every brand partner that they want merchandising and marketing and media to really come together. And so we are really focused on the marriage of those practices here at Heidi. So yes, we have a sales team, but we are so heavily integrated into our category teams, our procurement teams start marketing teams as well. And so I think we'll continue to see an evolution of that. For sure, we will at High V. That continues to be a focus. But I think you'll see an evolution of that across the industry as well. And from experience, I think that's best practice. I think actually you've got to bring those product and purchasing guys in. You can't just leave it to the media specialists and you can't just leave it to the organization that looks like you've got two people speaking to the supplier, but actually really builds a stronger relationship. 
and actually you get the expertise from products and purchasing and then you also get somebody in there who's scaling up the the campaigns through media knowledge and audience segmentation and consumer media expertise so yeah i'd be really interested to see how that evolves here because i think you're doing absolutely on the right track with that yeah i think we're seeing the brands really evolve in that way too so you kind of said it may feel like two people speaking to the brand and we do continue to kind of study that journey. And as a retail media network, the brand is now our customer, right? It's no longer the other way around for us as a grocery retailer. And so I think you're seeing the brands evolve and also really kind of restructure their teams to be able to support that in a better way too, right? Because you do have different people with different areas of expertise and you want everyone at the same table driving towards the same strategy. So a lot of evolution in that space, yeah. So um, last question then, let's talk about evolution. What's next for Hy-V and you over the next couple of years? Oh my goodness, next couple of years. I think we tend to look with the next 12 to 18 months. We're extremely innovative. We're extremely tech-driven company. And so we try not to lock in too significantly. For me, I think it really is personalization. So a focus on that, how do we continue to differentiate ourselves? I think one thing that we continue to look at as a retail media network here in the Midwest, here in the US, is we are smaller scale. So how do we make it easy for national brands and agencies to interact with us and really want to play in our sandbox? So I think you'll see some movement there on how do we address that scale issue. So I would say those two are the largest focus for us. Like I said, we've been a fast mover on in-store. So I think we have a lot of the hardware and infrastructure in place to support some of the evolving technologies that are coming to the space. But it will really be about the customer and the data, in my opinion, and how we utilize that and put that to work. Yeah. And I think personalization and a self-server, two pretty big projects to, uh, to do. So I think that'll probably keep you busy for the next 18 months anyway. Well, look, thank you so much, Kayla, for gracing our humble podcast. It's been great having you and let me thrilled to have you back in the future to see how you've evolved and continue to discuss the evolution of all the various projects and the high V retail media business. So thank you so much for, for joining us and hopefully we'll see you again soon. Wonderful. Thanks, Stuart. The Retail Media Moguls podcast is brought to you by Platform 195. To learn more about Platform 195 and how to connect retail media with intelligent marketing to accelerate growth, visit platform195.com. And then make sure to search for Retail Media Moguls in Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And on behalf of the team here at Platform 195, thanks for listening.